Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday of Easter, a Sunday sometimes called Good Shepherd Sunday, as our readings remind us that the risen Christ is the true and the good shepherd of our souls. Before we begin our worship this morning, just a few things to share. Uh, first, you'll notice in the bulletin uh, the announcement about the ladies' tea next Sunday here at Zion at 2.30. If you still wish to come, please make sure you RSVP by today so that can all get planned out. Uh, also, we wanted to share with you, we noticed in the latest issue of Living Lutheran that in the death notices that Pastor Richard McDaniel died this past year in January. Uh, many of you, of course, remember Pastor McDaniel who served here uh, from 1967 to 1972. Uh, he retired, I think, after 50 years in ministry, served in hospice care and bereavement care, and uh, ministered to many, many souls. So I uh, wanted to share that with you as we give God thanks that his servant is now at rest with him. Are there other announcements or other prayer requests for the congregation this morning? Yeah. It's 2.30. It's a long story, but if it's wrong, it's my fault, not hers, so I want to reiterate that. Yeah. Any other? Oh, yeah. Casey. So I was going to ask everyone to pray for my brother and his wife, Megan. I've been sitting on this news since January. So they decided to start a family, and uh, they found out that she was having triplets. Oh. Oh. So she's due uh, in September, but they're probably going to take them in August. But it's Larry and Megan Logger, and I've just been birth I've been wanting to say something. Yeah. <laughs> series, my hands say no. Any other any other announcements or, or prayer requests for us? Nothing can top that. Yeah, nothing can top the joy of triplets. That's right. All right, well, I invite you then to take a few moments to quiet your hearts and your minds as we prepare for worship and listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you without a word and deed. By love we have done, and by love we have loved them. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. You brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of your eternal covenant, make us complete in everything good, that we may do your will and work among us all that is well-pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our first reading today is from Acts, the ninth chapter. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. The word of the Lord. Now we will sing the 23rd Psalm.
The second reading is from Revelation. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of, of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you forward. I'm listening to some great music. It's a good song. Oh, there's more. Good. All right. All right. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear the song I'm listening to? Anybody? Here, Silas, you want to, you want to hear the song? Yeah, get them adjusted to you. What song do you hear? You don't hear any song. Of course you don't. It's not plugged in, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not plugged in. They're not Bluetooth. I know Bluetooth kind of makes this a hard illustration, but it's not plugged into anything, is it? Uh, so if you have like headphones like this, if they're not plugged in, you're not going to hear anything. They're not connected to anything. There's nothing to listen to. Well, I was thinking about headphones, and I was thinking about what we read in our gospel lesson from Jesus this morning, because Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. He says his sheep know his voice, and they follow him. Well, how do we know anyone's voice? How do we hear anyone's voice? Well, of course, we listen, but we're connected to them, and their voice becomes familiar, right? And so that's also true, I think, when we are learning what's Jesus' voice like for us. Well, we won't know, we can't know, unless we're connected, right? If we're just unconnected, disconnected like this thing, we won't hear anything. 
And so the big question is, how do we get connected to Jesus' voice? Well, I think he tells us that we hear his voice when we hear the scriptures, we hear the Bible, we hear the word of God preached, then we're connected to Jesus. Right? In the sacraments, baptism, Holy Communion, we're connected to Jesus. And so it's in those things where we begin to hear Jesus' voice. And then when we hear his voice, we begin to learn that he is our leader and that we can follow him and that we can trust him, that he is good, that he's going to protect us. And in fact, he says in our gospel reading that no one will ever take his sheep out of his hand. No one will ever take you out of Christ's hand. He's always going to protect you and he's always going to lead you. Well, let's pray. Lord, help us to hear your voice. Lord, help us to hear your voice. And to trust you as our shepherd. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. But if you were a first century resident of the city of Joppa, you would have to answer a question for yourself. And in fact, I'd imagine not coming to an answer to this question would drive you mad. It would make you crazy. And the question is, how did Peter raise Dorcas from the dead? You could answer it many ways, of course, as people do throughout the book of Acts. You might consider Peter to be some kind of magician. That's plausible. Consider that in the previous chapter of the book of Acts, there was a magician also named Simon who amazed the people of Samaria and who was even given the title called Great, called the Power of God. They called this man Simon, the power of God. Or maybe you might consider Peter to be the incarnation of Zeus or some Greek god, because that's exactly what the residents of the city of Lystra considered Paul and Barnabas to be when they healed people. Or like many in the book of Acts, you might just stubbornly refuse to believe that anything special at all happened to Dorcas and that Peter and his followers are just troublemakers. But the real question for us as we hear the story of Peter and Dorcas is what does St. Luke, what does the author of the book of Acts, want us to believe about Peter? How does Peter raise Dorcas from the dead? One way to understand this question is to understand what the book of Acts is about anyway. Because Acts is not just a collection of stories nor is it written just to be a book of history of the early church. Rather, there's a very basic theme that runs through the stories of Acts and that makes them tell one cohesive story about God. That story is that the church bears the word of God and that the word of God prevails over any and all adversity. By church, of course, I mean not just the building, but I mean all of those who believe in the risen Christ and who are called and enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And so there's a great deal of adversity that works against the word of God in the book of Acts. There are political forces that try to arrest, persecute, and even kill those who follow Christ. We see, however, that whenever the church is persecuted in Acts, it grows. The blood of the martyrs, the blood of those who were killed, becomes the seed that grows the church. We see in the book of Acts that Christ's word even brings new life to Saul, one who led the persecution of Christians. We see in the book of Acts and in the New Testament that there are racial and socioeconomic factors that try to work against the word of God. Unclean Gentiles and idol worshipers are welcomed into the kingdom of God. Can they really become believers? How can pagans be welcomed into God's kingdom? And yet the word of God prevails over those barriers. The word of God likewise prevails against magical forces. It prevails against the greed of people like Ananias and Sapphira. It prevails against natural disaster. It prevails against illness. And it prevails against death. And that's the true theme of the book of Acts. 
Against anything in the world, the word of God prevails. And of course, at this point, you'll notice that I have said the word of God several times already. But in this case, I think it might be more helpful when you hear the word of God to think it rather as the word from God. Because that's the heart of it. God has something specific to say to you. He has something specific to say for the world. He has a word for all of us. That word, of course, is that in Jesus Christ, you are made a new creature. In Jesus Christ, you are moved from being dead to being made alive. In Jesus Christ, you are saved from the bondages of sin, death, and the devil. That's the word from God. Jesus Christ saves you. And this is what prevails in the book of Acts. This is what prevails over all the forces that try to oppose it. The word that says Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is making all things new. The word from God is that light dispels darkness. This word from God became flesh and dwelt among us, and those who are lightened by the Holy Spirit hear this word and they know it. In fact, Acts chapter 6 verse 7 says, The word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. By the work of the Holy Spirit, the proclamation of this word from God was multiplying believers. It was making disciples. But this is exactly what the message of Acts is all about. There's nothing that this word from God doesn't touch. It goes out into the world and it brings life and it brings light into so much death and darkness. And so we go back to that original question. By what power did St. Peter raise Dorcas from the dead? We read in the story that Peter clears everyone out of the room where Dorcas's body was. He knelt down, he prayed, and only after prayer does he turn to the body and say, get up. And how is she raised from the dead then? What is Acts, what does St. Luke want us to get from this story? She's raised because the word of God raises her. The very word that says, let there be in Genesis 1, is the same word that says, get up, here in Acts 9. Right, and so Peter doesn't have power in himself. Rather, we are to understand that Peter is a witness in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's this word from God that holds the true power. It's the word from God that holds the power to bring life from death. And that's the true message of Acts chapter 9. The word of God is living and powerful. The word of God is not just something to be explained or interpreted. It's not just something to be read. It's not just something we talk about and discuss. No, we have the word from God to proclaim it's the proclamation of this word, the preaching of it, the sharing of it, that is powerful in this world. Sometimes the story of Dorcas is preached in such a way that Dorcas is just simply an example, right? Dorcas committed her life to doing good deeds for the widows in her community. We need to follow her example. That's all true and that's all good, but that's not the power of this story. It's not why Luke includes it in the book of Acts. Instead, we should see a connection. The word that took root in the heart of Dorcas, the word that made her a disciple, the word that made her love her neighbors to make an impact in this world, is the same word that brings her to life from death. Because the word of God is active. And so for many here this morning, this is a truth to grapple with. Because many of us, get in the routine of only seeing church and seeing our faith in the most superficial and routine ways. We see, for example, that church is a place to do nice things for others. It's the place where, like Dorcas, we can sow, we can make things, we can do good works for our neighbors. And that's all good. And that's our calling. But unless we see that the word of God through the work of the Holy Spirit is truly active, truly changing lives, truly prevailing in this world, then we miss the point. Yes, because the word of God is powerful. The word from God, 
which is nothing less than the proclamation of the risen Christ himself, is alive. And this living word is prevailing in the world against all odds, against all enemies. We as Lutherans are fond of the phrase, the word of God endures forever. It's a reminder that death is not more powerful than this world. Sin is not more powerful than this word. The devil is not more powerful. Nothing is more powerful than the word of God. Near the end of his life, Martin Luther was reflecting on the course of the Reformation, and he wrote about himself, What is Luther? The teaching is not mine, nor was I crucified for anyone. How did I, a poor stinking bag of maggots that I am, come to the point where the people call the children of God by my name? I simply taught and preached and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. And the thing of it is, the same word, the same word that grew the church in the book of Acts, the same word that brought Dorcas to life in Joppa, the same word that grew the faithful church in the 16th century Reformation, it's the same word that is preached to you in this church. It's the same word that you receive at this altar. The same God who gave the same word of God that was given to you when you were baptized, it's the same word. And the word prevails in your life. It brings you from death into life. It forgives you from all your sins when you receive it. It says to your dead, sinful soul, get up, and your soul arises, a new creature in Christ. And having given new life, it transforms your heart. The Holy Spirit implants the word in your heart and makes you to be like Dorcas, a person of charity, of love, of good works for the sake of others. But the key is the word of God prevails and it's the word. The word does it all. Amen.
And now I invite you to stand as together we confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. Heavenly Father, in your name, your Son purchased us with his own most holy blood, and he now leads us through the gate of death to our eternal home with you. As the sheep of his fold, inspire us to hear his voice gladly and to follow him through every tribulation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, shepherd of souls, your servants, the apostles, entrusted their flocks to the care of faithful to the care of the faithful, urging them to follow you in every way. Bless your church here today under the care of all her pastors and instill in them all wisdom, fortitude, humility, and grace. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you have provided us with the gift of family. Bless those who have shown us a mother's love and nurtured our lives from childhood. Bless and protect all mothers with child, all those who have suffered miscarriage or the death of a child, and all of those who have yearned for a child and lived with the pain of this longing. Lord, in your mercy. Compassionate Lord, you will not allow any power or enemy to triumph over your saving purpose or to snatch your lambs from your hand. Give us wise and faithful leaders who will govern in our land according to your law and defend the lives of the unborn, the orphan, the widowed, and the aged. Bless all of those who make, administer, and judge our laws, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, that they may not hinder your purpose. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, you have not forgotten us in our afflictions or abandoned us in our weakness. Deliver the sick and suffering according to your will and give your comfort to the dying, especially those who now have been requested in our prayers, including Denny and Dick. Steve, Nancy, Kelly, Becky, Ray, Melissa, Marilyn, Landon, Nancy, Mike, Rose, Tony, and Carolyn. And guard us also against despair and grant us patience in the days of our trouble as we await your perfect healing. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, enthroned in heaven, you gather your saints into the shelter of your presence, making them white in the blood of the Lamb. Keep us faithful throughout our lives here, and bring us through death to join them in ceaseless praise. Lord, in your mercy. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.